that, you know, you think about life, how, it's, how life is. Right? Life is, is made up, and we know this, I think you would agree with me, life is made up of our decisions, aren't they? Right? Really, the summary of your life is, is made up of the decisions that we make day to day in, in moments that need some sort of choice or decision. And yet, what we can't escape from is that the reality is that life isn't just made up of our own decisions. It's also made up of the decisions that others have made. And at times, you know, we can sort of look at the decisions we made and we, we believe as we evaluate and we believe as we sort of look at our lives and look at what, what God has for us, that we've made those decisions in light of His will for us, in light of the, the right type of decision-making resources, the Word of God and counsel and so forth. And yet we can look at that and we can admit that sometimes even though we've made good choices, it still hasn't worked out. We're still left a little bit inclined to say that the result of that has still been a disappointment. And often the reason for that is because of decisions others have made for us. We're also affected by decisions that others make. And, you know, I think in, in all reality we can look at the we can look at making right choices and we can look at all of that but there's a great deal of life that is out of our own control isn't it there's a great deal of life where we can still look back at it and go well i tried it just seems to have not worked out and and i think we can see that in the life of of leah as an example you know the amazing thing about leah is here we we read it in our bible reading earlier that she ends up and she ends up saying, now will I praise the Lord. And uh, amazing thing here, we, we look at the, the, the makings of the nation of Israel in, in this passage of scripture that we just read. But sometimes we read through that and we forget, forget about Leah. And we forget about her circumstance. And I think there's some learning there for us this morning as we think about how God brought her through this time and how God brought her through a time where really she was just part of what God was doing, but a lot of it was out of her control. A lot of it was actually because of decisions that others made. And, and that's the reality, isn't it? We sometimes, we benefit from decisions that others make, but sometimes we suffer through them too. Sometimes we can look at it and we can go, well, you know, I couldn't do much about that. It was their decision. They wronged me. They were the ones that put me in this situation. And, and yet, in that moment, there's still a decision for each and every one of us to make as well. There's still a response. There's still actually a God overall who knows. And there's still a God who's still in control, right, church? And I'm glad that as we look at the, the scriptures here this morning, that there's going to be some things that we learn and we can see and hopefully can, can comfort us this morning as we think about that in our lives. And maybe you're evaluating that in your own life. Maybe you're looking at your life and it's not where it should have been as you hoped or where it should have ended or where it should have been at this point in your life. And, and maybe you're feeling like, well, what else is there to do but feel disappointed? I want to tell you that, that Leah actually found some things in her life that brought her through it. And I want to help you as we go, go through the Word of God and, and show you that this morning. Let's pray 
We'll ask the Lord to bless our time this morning. Father, again, we love you. Lord, we want to thank you for your word. And thank you, dear God, that, that really it's just a, Lord, it's a discerner of the intents of the heart. And thankful, dear Lord, that we can read through it. And Lord, your, your word is, is perfect and it shows us, not just very accurately, absolutely accurately, the, 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 Lord, the, how life really works. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to understand, Lord, some, some of these things that we observe in Leah's life. I pray, dear God, that you would comfort us, Lord, and, and I doubt very much that there's, 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 uh, there's anyone here that can say that their lives have no disappointments. I doubt very much, dear Lord, that anyone of us here could look back and, and really feel a little bit at times be a victim of others' decisions. And I pray that you'd help us this morning to then just, just reconcile that in our lives, and I pray that then you'd help us to see your hand in it. And Lord, I pray that your word would speak to us in a real way, and we pray and ask these things in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And we read those verses earlier, and again, if, if you don't know the context of it, you're, you're not really going to be, um, you're not going to really see the, uh, just the, the, the reason why this is significant. And so let's go back and let's look at the story again, look at chapter 29 at the, the beginning of it, we understand and see that Jacob um, had a falling out, didn't he? He deceived his, his father. He deceived Isaac to giving him the blessing. And so here he is running off. And he, here he is uh, really being pursued by his brother Esau. And he comes to this place. And notice verse 1, Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked and behold a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep, but the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. So uh, uh, upon the advice of his mother, he runs off to his, his place of heritage. He goes and he finds this well, and, and you know if you look at wells in the Bible, they're often meeting places. And so Jacob meets someone there. And you could say it was a bit of love at first sight. He sees Rachel there, and Rachel is, is watering, and so he goes and helps her and, and re- realizes that she was part of his, his, his family. They, were, they had kinfolk that were, were related, and, and so he's, he, gets, he understands that this was where God would have him. And so he goes on, look at, look at verse 9, And while he had spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And so Jacob did a good thing here. He goes and helps Rachel. No doubt he sees her and later we'll see that Rachel was a very beautiful woman. And and Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And notice as, a, as we continue in the story, and notice verse 15. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me what shall thy wages be? And so Laban's understanding that they're, they're family. Saying, I don't want you to just stay here and just sort of just sojourn with us. I want to pay you. I want to do right by you. And, and, and that was his understanding there. And we go on, and Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder, and here's where we're introduced to Leah. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. 
Notice here, and Leah was tender-eyed. Now, you can interpret that however way you want. But notice the contrast that the Bible wants us to get. Notice there, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. So in comparison, the two sisters, Leah was the less attractive one, and Rachel was the very attractive one. So from the outset, and, and you understand, you, you look at that, and you, this is the Bible's commentary on it. This was no exaggeration. This was the fact. Rachel, in comparison to Leah, was beautiful, and Leah was not. Leah was someone that already from, really from the beginning of it, felt like she was behind, felt like she was disadvantaged somewhat. And we see that really she was someone that was overlooked. She was someone that really, when you think about it, in comparison to her sister, was rejected. Because later Jacob goes and he goes to Laban and he says, let me work for you seven years if I can marry not Leah, which was traditionally the older, sister, the older one was meant to be married before the younger. He goes and he bypasses Leah. He goes and wants Rachel instead. So you see from the outset, even as, as, as they're growing up, no doubt Leah was the one that was overlooked. Leah was the one that was rejected. Leah was the one, if they were going to uh, pick a team, she probably was the one last picked. And it just seemed to be Rachel had all of the things going for her. Rachel was the one favored. Rachel was the one that was beautiful. And Leah, well, she was, the Bible simply says, tender-eyed. She just looked tired in comparison to her sister. She, she was the one that was overlooked and and Jacob, the Bible says, loved Rachel. And I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better than I give to her to thee, give, I give her to thee, than that I should give her to another man, abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And notice this, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had for her. So this was a genuine love, but it wasn't toward Leah. It was toward Rachel. And so we see that Leah, from the outset, she was overlooked or rejected. She was someone that was looked down upon because of her, really, her relative unattractiveness in comparison to her sister Rachel's beauty. And, and God, God saw that, though, and we'll see that later on. And we know the story. Jacob labors for those seven years. And so Jacob finally goes up, goes up to Laban after those seven years. Notice verse 21. Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And, and, and you know the rest of the story. He, Jacob, uh, Jacob goes in that night to his wife. And in the morning, surprise, surprise. You imagine Jacob's surprise. You're not Rachel. <laughs> and you know what? The, Laban had set that up, didn't he? And you imagine that, that situation that, Leah now finds herself in, you know what Leah was also? She was manipulated. She, she was told, hey, you know what, I know I, I promised Rachel to this man, but you're going to go in, Leah. Now, be, put yourself in Leah's situation. Put yourself in Leah's situation. She knew she wasn't loved. She knew she was overlooked, and yet here she was being forced to marry this man. 
being forced to be in the place of Rachel and being forced then and through Laban, her own father's manipulation, is placed in the situation she doesn't want to be in. No doubt Leah didn't want to be in that. She knew that Jacob labored for Rachel those seven years. And then, you know, the response, Jacob's mad. Jacob goes up to Laban and says, you know, you fooled me, you tricked me. And you know what, what Jacob did? He says, I'm going to labor another seven years. So now put yourself in Leah's situation. For another seven years, she watches the man now she's now married to. And for seven years, she watches Jacob go to the field, work and labor for another woman. You know what else she was? She wasn't just manipulated, she was, neg- she was neglected. For another seven years, and, and now it's her husband deciding that she wasn't good enough. That actually she wasn't worth it those seven years he'd already labored. No, I'm, I, I can do another seven if it means Rachel. So there she was at, at home. There she was as, as Jacob went every day, knowing full well that all of his heart, all of his labors was for another. And there Leah was at home just thinking, well, what did I do? I was just born into this family. I couldn't help that I'm the elder. I couldn't help how I look. I couldn't help all those things. And there, there she was. She just continued on. And, and Jacob just continued to labor for those seven years. And you know what, what, uh, what Leah was? She was also, she was neglected. Because actually Jacob really only loved Rachel. She, she saw consistently in her life, she saw someone that was overlooked over and over again. She was rejected. She was manipulated. And now she was neglected. And, you know, uh, we see that, what, what injustice, and no doubt as, as she sits there and she evaluates her life, at the end of the day, you know what Leah was? She was disappointed. You, you ever been disappointed at the outcomes of your life? You ever put yourself wholeheartedly in a situation thinking that you were doing the right thing and then suddenly just through the decisions of others, through the, the wrongs of others, through the errors of others, through their own agendas, through their own, their own selfish reasons, you find yourself and you're suddenly you're just disappointed at life. Why did it work out this way? Well, I, I'm just, I mean, I, I, all I did was, and here I am, what, how did I deserve this? And you know, in that situation, you could, we could excuse Leah, can't we? If she had nothing to praise God about. We could excuse ourselves at times when we look at all of that. And, and sure, there's this, that disappointment. And, and sometimes we can excuse ourselves in allowing ourselves to linger in that. And suddenly what happens is we're far away from God. Suddenly what happens is we, we start to cast doubt at God's intent on us. Suddenly we can look at God and we say, how could you let this happen to me? When it was the deciding factor was out of her hand. And we find Leah there. We find Leah now in a, in a marriage she didn't want to be in. In a marriage that really her significant other, Jacob, was neglecting her. 
And she, was got, she went through that, just, it was all out of her hands. And so what did she do? Her life didn't turn out the way she wanted it. She's in this place of disappointment, and yet we see verse 31. We see verse 31, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And we see that, that in, at the end of the day, though, the one that saw it all, the one that, that observed the manipulation, observed the neglect that she was going through, observed the very disappointments of her life, the one that saw it all was God himself. I want to tell you that God sees that all in our lives. I want to tell you that if we follow God and we just are in the place we're supposed to be, and we're, we're going through life, and, and regardless of the fact that there's disappointments and there's anguish and there's things that are happening in our lives, that God isn't distant from us. That God sees. And God saw that Leah was hated. God saw her situation. And, and in fact, that's what we see. Firstly, God knew her situation and was able to give her reasons to hope. You know, we see in verse 31 again that he opened her womb and we see Leah conceived and bare a son. You see, God knew that Leah needed hope. And God knows this morning if you're going through and you're just evaluating your life and you're a little disappointed at the outcome of it because of the, the reactions and responses of others and, and the, the decisions that others have, have put in your life that's affecting you today. And you can stand there in your integrity and you can look at God and you say, I was just trying to follow you. I want to tell you that God can give you hope. I want to tell you that God is the God of all hope. I want to tell you that God is the one that can furnish you the hope that you need today. And God knew her situation was able to give her reasons to hope. And God knew that Leah needed hope and so gave her reasons and those reasons were her children. There was some fruit of that in her life and her children caused her to hope so that, so that she knew that her relationship had a purpose. Notice her attitude here in naming Reuben. And, you know, you, it's, it's interesting. You, you read through the scriptures and you see the names. You know, names meant a lot more in those times than they do in our times. You know, sometimes we, we pick names just because we like them, all right? But, you know, when, when children were born to parents in those days, especially in their culture, it was very significant, the names that they gave. And, and we see the first one is Reuben. And his meaning is this, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, now therefore my husband will love me. Notice how this is really just digging into the psyche of, of Leah. Her whole goal was, I want my husband to love me. She understood she was in this affliction. She understood she was in this disadvantaged position. She understood that she was disappointed. She understood that out of that, it was, it was not in her hand to do so, but she, saw, uh, she still understood that the Lord looked upon her affliction. But her whole reason was so that her, his, her husband can love her. And notice then the next, and she conceived again, and bare a son, and, and notice it's developing, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. He hath therefore given me this son also, and so he's saying, you know, God's seeing and hearing what I'm going through. And so God's blessing me. And then she conceives again and bears a son. And now this time 
will be will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And we see that that again her desire hasn't changed. Her desire for uh, for these and, and God giving her hope is that the hope ultimately is that she would be accepted by the one that she was joined to. And you see her heart. But but what God was doing in giving her these sons was really knowing her situation. He was trying to just give her a little bit of hope. And you know, hope is a good thing. You know, by, when, when we have hope, we have faith. And hope is needful. When, and hope is the things that, that, that is produced out of experience in our lives and seeing God come to our rescue and come to our aid. And, and God knows that what we're going through and He knows what we need in our moments of greatest turmoil, He knows. And many times, here's what we, we forget and we neglect, is that He does actually know. You know, sometimes we're in our trying to work out, in, in us trying to work out our situation, we forget that actually God knows. You see, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 5.21, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his going. You know, your ways are before the Lord. God knows our ways. and He, he gives each of us what is needful in our situation, and, and actually God knows much more than you do. You know, God knows the maybes of your life. God knows that, that, that this thing will lead to another thing. God sees the end from the beginning. In fact, the Bible tells us we have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He understood the sufferings of man. He understood what it was. Hey, listen, he understood what it was to be rejected. He understood what it was to have his life taken out of his hands and yet still with all power willingly laid down his life on the cross of Calvary for our sins. He understood that. He understands that, that as, as he looks upon us, he's our father who pities his children. And so we look at God and, and understand this this morning. The Lord sees your situation. And he has a way, he has a way of giving you hope. And, you know, God, what he does, he gives us a little grace here and there to give us hope. You know, this morning, if you're feeling disappointed in life, God gave you another day. And his mercies are new every morning. And God give you, gave you another, God gave you a bright, sunny day to look at. I remember a couple of years ago, we were just going through a little bit as a family. And we had had to make some sudden changes in our lives. Again, it wasn't our own decision. And so we were in this new place that we were living in, and, and honestly, I didn't really want to be there. I liked the place where we were living. And it was a little bit, a few years, uh, well, two years into it, I was still feeling pretty, pretty disappointed. I was still feeling like we didn't deserve what we were going through right there. And I remember sitting there on our balcony overlooking where we, we were living. And it was just a, it, it was an overcast morning with a bit of mist. And I, if you know me, that's actually my favorite type of morning. I just love that. And, and it was just like the Lord was saying, you know, I, I could have done something else. And it just seemed to be that there was a little bit of 
hope that was coming back into my life. And I had to recognize that God could, could get through to me and he could give me more reasons to hope if I was just looking. And, and, and Leah was starting to see, God knew her situation and he was just trying to give her reasons to hope. And, and yet what, what that was, it was God was providing her reasons to hope that were different to her own reasons. Because that's the problem. It is we want our reasons. We want our reasons to praise. We want our reasons to hope. We want our way. And what was happening in Leah's life was that there were those things that were out of her control. And yet God was doing another thing. And, and, and again, we see, we read those, those names, Reuben, the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. And then we read the last one, look at verse 35, and she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. You know, eventually she saw her. You know, Leah arrived at this place of praise, not through her means, but by God's means. If it was through her means, she'd still be waiting. If it was through her means, she'd still be waiting on Jacob to love her. If it was through her means, she'd still be longing for that. And yet she saw eventually that God was actually working. And Leah thought that acceptance from her husband was going to be the thing that would, would, would validate her. It was the, but it was, it was actually the children that God was giving that was filling her with praise. And, you know, this morning, I want to tell you, we shouldn't fall into the trap of presupposing what will meet our satisfaction and treating God like a bit of a genie. You know, sometimes we presuppose what will make us content. Sometimes we presuppose that if only God did it this way, then I will be happy. You know, if only God did it that way, then you know what, um, then I'll have nothing to complain about. You know, if only God did this, if only God allowed this instead, then you know what, I, I wouldn't have anything to complain about. I wouldn't be disappointed. I, I wouldn't be in this place where it's hard for me to give some praise. And we fall into the trap sometimes thinking like God will do everything that we ask. But actually the big part of life is actually aligning to what God allows into our lives. It's about aligning and, and recognizing that even though there's things out of our control, that God himself actually is never out of control. That he's still on the throne. That actually in our lives, he, he doesn't let us spiral to these places where there's no hope. Actually, he's just giving it to us a different way. And he was giving, the, giving her different reasons. And, you know, we shouldn't just praise God when we get our way. You know, we fall into that, don't we? And yet the, the Bible tells us so many times that in everything, give thanks. And I know that's easier preaching and harder living. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that there's days where, where I, I really don't want to praise God because the situations just come up that I really don't like. But it's actually in those situations where our trust in God and our, our, our trust in someone who is above all, who knows what's best and uh, it's those times when our, our understanding of who God truly is 
It's actually those times when it counts the most. And we ought not to just praise God when we get our way. We ought to praise God. You know why? Because He knows what's best. And we can trust Him. You know, the Bible tells us that His thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are our ways His ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are, are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. Hey, listen, we, can, we only can see at this plane and God sees it all. I was telling the, the, the young adults, you know, some of them never been to Sydney. And, you know, sometimes you go through there and it can get confusing. You're walking down and suddenly you're, you're, not, going, you're not going east, you're going west. And, and you sort of get confused in a new city. And I was telling them, you know, obviously we have Google Maps if you really needed it. But I said, if you wanted to get a good bearing, there's a, there's a building there in Circular Quay. And you can walk in there. It's, and they've got a model of the whole city. And you, it's actually in the floor with a glass, a glass panel over it. And if you wanted a good bearing, you could look and you could actually look down and you could see where you're at and where you needed to go. And you know... Our view is that we have the street view, don't we? We're sort of just seeing what's in front of us. We're seeing our, our, our immediate circumstance. And you know what kind of God we have? We have a God who's walking on the glass panel and he sees it all. He sees where you need to get to. He sees what you're going through right now. He sees the disappointment. He sees the hurt. And, and yet in all of that, he's trying to get you to trust him and get you to understand that his ways are way higher than our ways and you know, in Psalm 20, 28, verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him. And you know what the psalmist says? And I am helped. You know, many times, many times the reason we're not helped is simply we're just, we're just not willing to just let some things go to His control. We're not willing to sort of just hand it over to Him and say, Lord, I trust you with this disappointment. Lord, I trust you with the circumstance that I'm going through. Lord, I, I know it, these are out of my hands, and so I'm just going to let them go and leave it to you. And you know, in those times, you're going to be helped and healed. It's those times where God's going to show you some things that, that you can greatly rejoice in. And, and that's what the psalmist says after that. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. You know what happens? What happens is that God actually... He's providing you reasons to praise that are different to your reasons. And, you know, often what we do, though, often we focus on what we're missing instead. No, we're missing this. God's withholding this. And if only I had that kind of... And listen, we're, when we focus on what we're missing, you know what happens? We miss out on what God is giving to us each day. When, when we're pining for what it should be, we're missing all of what God is doing right now. When we're pining for the fact that and it should have been this way, and if only they didn't do me wrong, then listen, we're missing out on what actually God is doing right now. Because God, God's not affected by the decisions of others. He's the ultimate sovereign. And He can make it be. And He's the one that actually we could, we could rely on and follow. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God's graces were given again and again. And, and, you know, we read on and we can see in the story 
God gives her Judah, but then he also gives her Zebulon. He, he gives her a, a daughter named Dinah. He, he goes on and he blesses her greatly with all these children. And God was actually blessing again and again and giving grace again and again. And really the trick is, and really the decision we have to make, is will we find our contentment in Him? You know, life may not be exactly how we wished it was. It may not be what we had hoped and we sometimes approach life and we have all of these best laid plans. And yet in all of that, God is able to just, He's in control. And God kept reminding Leah of His grace by giving her those children. And we know lower children are in heritage of the Lord. We, we know that children were God's continual validation of His, of his grace to her. And, and what Leah needed to decide was to find contentment in God. God hadn't rejected her. God hadn't neglected her. God hadn't manipulated her. God was the one that saw her disappointment and saw her circumstances, and God was the one who continued to bless anyway. And, and you know, that's what God does. You know, many times we get carried away in our disappointments. We're missing out in all that God's doing. We miss out on the day that He provides. We miss out on the, 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 the life that God gives us, and we miss out on all of the good things, and yet... The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 2 that the goodness of God should lead us to what? Repentance. Should lead us to turn to Him. It should lead us to turn to Him. And, and maybe you're, you're here this morning and, and you've got all of these, these disappointments that you're just struggling with. I want to I encourage you. I want to encourage you. We have a God who is continuing each and every day to try to communicate His goodness to us. Don't neglect that. Don't neglect God's overtures to you and trying to reach to you. His grace is meant to lead us to this change of mind, this change of direction. And, and you know, Leah's hardships, they turned into praising. Why? Because God just continued to pursue her. Because of God's continual graces. You know, God is good to us. And we ought to praise Him, but you, you have to accept His goodness. It, it takes grace sometimes to accept grace. And don't miss God's continual reaching out to you. He wants you to arrive at praise. He wants you not to get stuck in your personal turmoils. In Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12, he says, the psalmist said this, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forevermore. You know, um, David so often found himself in places that were disappointing. You know, he was David who was anointed king as a shepherd boy. There he was, really. David was neglected. Samuel had to ask, do you have any others? And then afterthought, right? Oh, yeah, Jesse. Oh, yeah. No, I have David who's looking after the sheep. And he was the one. But, you know, that, that anointing led to being chased by Saul, being, being, being doubted by his brothers. And he went through all of that, and, and he, see, he says, you've turned my mourning into dancing. 
You know, that's the, uh, you've put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. And so many times, God, if we would just endure with Him, brings it to be. And you know who eventually, who eventually came out of, of Leah? Judah. You know who eventually came out of Judah? Jesus. And you know what God wants to produce in our lives when we go through our disappointments trusting Him? Is more of Jesus. He wants you to be more like Him. He wants to bring out Christ in you, the hope of glory. He wants to bring out that character and, and He gives you reasons to praise. And God turned Leah's personal turmoil into praise. Her praise reaped an eternal dividend even when her earthly turmoil seemed fruitless. And, and I want to tell you, we need to find praise as we look at our future hope. And our future hope is the Lord Jesus. But I want to tell you, He's also a living hope. He lives in you. And turn with me, though, look at, look at what happened eventually. Because Leah just continued to persevere in it. And look at, look at Genesis chapter 49. Look at verse 28. And all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is it, that their father spake unto them and blessed them. Every one according to his blessing, he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. So now this is Jacob giving instruction for his burying place. So after all they went through, the whole thing with, with Joseph and all of that, they came through. And now Jacob was going to be buried and he's giving instructions and you know, all of those, those times where he worked and he labored for Rachel, and we know he, he favored Joseph, right? He favored Benjamin, the, the offspring of Rachel. Verse 31, there they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife, and there they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And notice, and there I buried Leah. You know, at the end, you know who Jacob chose to be buried with? Leah. Isn't that interesting? He didn't choose to be buried with Rachel. He chose to be buried with Leah. And you know, the, at the end of, of the story, she got the closeness. She, she got the significance. But she had to endure through those disappointments and she had to look at all of the hope that God was giving her, and God gave her what she wanted at the end. And you know, here's what I'm saying. God is a God who satisfies. God is the God, the God who looks at all of the disappointments, and, and He looks at all of that, and He makes all things well. And at the end, if you read the book, you know we win, right? And at the end of the day, I want to, I want to encourage you. You may look at the... the the disappointment of others' decisions. And, and, and we all know this. It's out of our hands sometimes. But there's someone who is, is never going to reject us. There, there's someone who's he's never going to manipulate us or neglect us. We have someone who we can trust our hands in and every decision he makes for us is the right one. And we can trust him. 
And, and, and we can trust our God. And maybe today you could look at the disappointments in your life and just admit that they're out of your control. And today you might just leave them in the hands of an almighty God who loves you and who will never let you down and who's never let us down. And someone who actually, at the end of the day, will do all things well. And, and I hope that that would, be, that would be our heart each and every day, that we would just trust Him, that we would find our joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time that we have. And Lord, again, we recognize, dear Lord, that so much of our lives are our Lord, not only made up of our own decisions, but made up of the decisions of others. And at times, Lord God, we have been let down. At times, dear Lord, we find ourselves in a place where, Lord, if we're honest with you, we're disappointed. And yet, Lord, we're, we're mindful that ultimately you're the God who knows. And you're the God who is above all and is over all. And Lord, we can trust you through that time to make the change and to rescue us, Lord, and then, Lord, to give the grace each day and the hope each day that we need, Lord, to, in order, Lord, to then, Lord, bring us about to that, that desired haven. And I pray that you'd please help each and every one of us, Lord God, to just, perhaps today, just lay aside our care to you. Lord, you said in your word to cast all your care upon you, for, he careth, for you careth for us. And so I pray that even today, Lord, as we observe our lives, and, and we don't know, I don't know everyone's heart, I don't know everyone's circumstance, I pray that they would just, Lord, just lay it before you and, and allow you, dear Lord, to, to show them the, the hope that is in you. With the heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around.